As Christians, how are we to understand suffering? Maybe more importantly, how are we called to suffer? Or how do we persevere through difficulties? Today, we're going to discuss these questions with Father Sebastian White, Dominican, also the editor-in-chief of Magnificat. And I'm Father Dave Pavanka. I'm president of Franciscan University in Steubenville, Ohio, and you're watching Franciscan University Presents. Stay with us. Welcome to Franciscan University Presents. I'm your host, Father Dave Pavonk, and I'm president of Franciscan University in Steubenville, Ohio. Today we'll be talking about persevering in faith through the midst of trials and difficulties. I'm joined with our regular panelist, Dr. Regis Martin. Pleasure to have you with us. And Dr. Scott Hahn. Always a pleasure to have you, Dr. Hahn. Today we are very pleased uh, to welcome our guest, Father Sebastian White. Uh, prior to religious life, Father Sebastian worked for two years at Franciscan University's study abroad program in Gaming, Austria, which is where we first met, which was a long time ago. 13, 13 years ago. But who does the math? As well as being a student at the International Theological Institute in Austria. He entered the Order of Preachers, the Dominicans, in 2008 and was ordained a priest in 2014. In the summer of 2018, Father Sebastian became editor-in-chief of Magnificat, which is the popular monthly liturgical prayer magazine. Uh, Father Sebastian, it's a blessing to have you with us. Thanks, Father Dave. It's a joy. It's a joy to be. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, the relationship we've had uh, for uh, over almost two decades now. Yes, that's right. Yeah, we. I guess we met in 2005. You were a kid. Yeah. So. You were a kid. I was. Yeah, you've grown and up so still well. Feel, still feel that way in, in many ways. So. Well, we find ourselves coming, uh, thank you, Lord, out of the end of a pandemic, which was just in so many ways uh, a trying time, difficulty, and struggle. And we thought we'd just talk a little bit about that. How do you persevere in the midst of difficulties, in the midst of suffering? How do you live your faith in the midst of that? So maybe your experience and, and your thoughts about that. Sure, thanks. Um, the main thing, I think, is to realize that trial, suffering, difficulties, things that are, are unexpected and that um, cause us great grief and, and, and suffering um, are not a sign that the Lord has forgotten about us yeah. or abandoned us. I think that is, that is the key. Um, and to understand and to trust that Whatever happens in our life, the Lord is allowing for His good purposes and um, that He is with us in those times. Um, as you said, the, the pandemic uh, was, was very, uh, very difficult um, nationally, globally, um, for, for families. Now, you were in New York during all that? Yes, I was in New so York the, the whole craziness. time. Yeah, so that, um, especially in the early, the early weeks, early months. Um, a lot of sirens, you know, to, constantly, and just the the news every day was uh, was terrifying. Many days, you know, um, just constant reporting of the of the rising deaths and um, the stress of the of the hospital workers. Um, you know, that that was felt very very deeply by us there. 
Yeah, I, I should think that being stuck in New York would be a special torment. <laughs> I, I think for the rest of us, it's kind of purgatorial. But for you, it's positively hellish. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, New York, New York also has its, um, has, has its, uh, has its blessings and uh, joys as well. Um, I, I had, I loved living in New York, and you know, I still, I still do. Um, but yes, during this, during this period, it was, it was very difficult. Yeah, a real challenge. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, C.S. Lewis has a, a great observation that if you think of life as a country club, you're going to be betrayed uh, all the time. But if you think of it as a lengthy prison sentence uh, in a jail, then you can find shafts of light mm -hmm. and joy to illumine the darkness. It, it all depends on the perspective. That's right. You know, I was thinking you were going to quote Lewis that God whispers to us in our pleasures, he shouts to us in our pain, and that suffering really is more than a teaching moment. It really is what opens us up to the, uh, to the, to the power of the Holy Spirit, to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I was reflecting recently on my favorite passage in Scripture, the road to Emmaus, and it was just striking. It, it, it was striking to me that, uh, you know, are you the only one in Jerusalem who does not know about these things? You know, you just want to press pause and tell these two, yeah. you know, he's the only one who does, yeah. you know. Are you the only one in America who doesn't know about the pandemic and about the political upheaval and about all of the, the, the turmoil that has made life seem like it's upside down? And you, you, you have to settle down and allow silence to hear Christ say, yeah, I'm the only one who does understand all of these things and what purposes I have for them, for not just the culture, but for each person, you know, because he meets us not only in our personal turmoil, but also in the cultural upheaval that, that, that COVID brought about. I mean, nobody could see the so-called reset setting into motion so many secularizing counter forces, you know, and you thought, well, it's, it's already bad enough. You know, we don't have to speed it up. That's right, and that's a, and that, that's a, the connection to the to the Emmaus encounter is is very beautiful. It, I think that's something to. Um, I mean, how often do we do we find ourselves in that position? Like, Lord, don't you understand what I am going through? Yeah. Aren't you right. aware? Uh, are you aware of what I'm experiencing? Um, and and you're absolutely right. Yes, he says yes. I do. I do more than you know. Yeah, and part of it, I think, is, too, the, the, the felt absence of the Lord. You know, they're, mm -hmm. they're talking to a stranger who just seems like a blockhead to mm -hmm. not know these things, you know. And they have just gone through the darkest period of their entire lives. Mm. And, and suddenly you realize, no, walking with you is the presence of the one who is the Lord of all circumstances. Mm -hmm. And it really is a, a yeah. total reversal. And, and Jesus, I think, can certainly identify with that predicament that the disciples find themselves in. Because after all, didn't he turn to his absent father from the cross and cry out, why have you abandoned me? So he knows what it's like, those depths of desolation. I must say I take great consolation in that, in that Jesus really does... He does understand what we're going through. And that's really that's important right. for us. That, and you said at the very beginning, Father, is that, that we're not alone, that the Lord is present in the midst of that. Oh, I think one of the greatest deceptions of the evil one is, is to your point, is that life is not supposed to be difficult. 
Right. Because if yeah. we believe this fu fundamentally that it's always supposed to be easy, then anything that's hard, we take it like we've been betrayed or something's mm -hmm. going wrong. But you're saying it's just a part of life. That's right. And I and I think so. One thing I think about a, a lot. This is a kind of a, a theme for me: um, praying, preaching, and writing. Um, is what it means to be a Christian is to become is is for Jesus's own life and his mysteries to be fulfilled and. Um, played out within us. You know, there's a beautiful quote from St. Elizabeth of the Trinity, uh, canonized just a few years ago, um, make me another humanity in which you renew your whole mystery, another incarnation. Um, and if you, I, I, I think it's easy to miss the, the um, to, 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 to neglect that mm -hmm. um, Jesus's life is the pattern for what our own Christian life should look like, mm -hmm. um, and it's and it, it is very. I, I mean, I face this temptation all the time. I sort of think my life should just be better than Jesus's was, yeah. you know. Right. Um, yeah. And uh, and and and, but again, he the Lord invites us to um, to share in His destiny, to uh, to suffer with Him, so that we can experience the joy and the glory of His resurrection. Yeah, that's that's such a, an incisive point, Father, that you make. Uh, when Elizabeth of the Trinity says that, she doesn't uh, intend it as a metaphor. It's not a right. figure of speech. There is an actual reproduction uh, in my life of his life. I'm somehow reconfigured by Christ to conform to that shape. That's yeah, right. A and, cruciform and shape. It's the Holy, and, it, and I think specifically it's in her prayer, she's, she's asking the Holy Spirit to accomplish this in her. Um, you know, it's, it's, people we we refer to this, the Holy Spirit often as as the sanctifier. Um, there's a beautiful book by that title, um, but someone has also said the Holy Spirit is is the Christifier, mm. um, right? How did how did the incarnate how did the Lord uh, have the humanity with which He suffered and died for us, and you know lived lived a full human life? Where did where did that come from? How did that occur? The Holy Spirit and the Blessed Virgin, right? And so, um, similarly, the Holy Spirit—it's—it's it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our life that um, that we share in, in in Christ's life. That that we become um, copies, you know, it is, it is often said, or images of Him, and um, and that means to to completion. If, if, if you think of, of, of the alpha point in the life of Christ as the point of origin, the point uh, from which he lives, and that's mm -hmm. the mystery of the Father, and the beta point would be you and me, uh, the images of Christ he finds in the world. Well, what allows him to bridge the two to move back and forth from A to B is precisely the Spirit. Mm -hmm. He lives completely uh, in the Spirit, uh, and he offers that, that uh, fellowship with us. And we have to take it literally. That's right. You know, the idea of Christifier, I've not heard that before. That's, that's beautiful. It causes me to really want to pause and ponder, which we don't have the time to do on the show. But, you know, the idea that the Father sent the Son to give us the Holy Spirit. But it isn't just like a tragic moment at the end of the Son's life that causes the gift of the Holy right, Spirit. I need to think of something to, to leave behind that right. I'm going to go. Yeah, well, there's, there's the yeah. Eucharist, you know, and I've given you baptism. Right. And, you not think this one through, right? Right. And in John 19, it isn't that he's breathing his last. The, the, the Greek is constructed in such a way that he's imparting, he's giving, he's transmitting his breath, his spirit. And so you recognize that the climax of it is finished 
coincides with him becoming the Christifier, the Holy Spirit becoming the Christifier and making us little Christians, little Christs, Christians, you know. And the other thing that I, I think of is there's, there's a locked room in Pauline theology, a lot of scholars doing studies on Paul, but the one thing that they don't do much of with um, is the idea that uh, Jesus as the last Adam is the head of an entirely new humanity mm -hmm. and that this is a mystery, but it's not a metaphor. There's a reality that, you know, would tax the metaphysicians all of their intellectual energies. But in a certain way, this is how Jesus images the Father by becoming like our founding father, Adam, only instead of transmitting human nature that is devoid of divine life, he transmits to us so much more than any father on earth could do, but that always comes in and with and through the Holy Spirit. You know, the Cinderella of the three persons of the Trinity, as it were, you know. Uh, but speaking is, of metaphors, yeah, that's one I had, I had not thought of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can put that in the closet. <laughs> yeah, we'll, 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 we'll meditate on that another time as well. But, but it seems, I think, one of the things that makes it so difficult is it's so contradictory to what the world says. The, the, uh, to say that, right. that yeah. the difficulty in suffering is a part of the human condition, and not only that, but something ought to be embraced rather than run from. But my suspicion is that you find people struggling with that all the time, that, that want to run from it, that don't want to embrace it, that want to do anything to get past it. But there's another way of approaching that's right. it, and, and That's right. And, and again, because so we, we, we really think if uh, the sign that things are, are going well and that I'm close to God and that He is blessing me, and that I'm growing in holiness is that I have no difficulties, you know, um, no temptations, no struggles. And then when these come, um, they can appear to be um, uh, things that, that, that are, are separating us from mm -hmm. the Lord um, or are counterindications of His, of his um, blessing and His pre presence with us. And, um, and that, so yes, my point is um, we can see these as, as invitations, really, um, as, as a, 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 a privileged, difficult, it's not, mm -hmm. this is not to trivialize mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. suffering is suffering. You know, sometimes the saints say things like, to suffer is my only joy, you know. As <laughs> right. Confess, you know, find that. Yeah. You don't want to hang out with people happy. like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> had, yeah. Yeah. Did, I, I prefer Mother Teresa's uh, 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 quip that, Somebody reminded her, you know, this is a kiss from the cross, mother. Mm. And she said, well, would you mind telling Jesus to stop kissing me? Yeah. <laughs> it's all right not to want to suffer. But when it happens, and inevitably it will, it, it's, it's helpful to join that suffering to That's the right. much greater suffering of Christ. That's right. And I think that, that is, that, again, we see that in the life of our Lord as well. If this is the paradigm, if this is the pattern, um, our Lord wasn't simply... He wasn't simply a passive victim. Yes, there was there was suffering that was heaped upon Trust him. Me. You know that's right. But he also um, embraced it. That's that's what made it a, a truly loving and um, redemptive act. And for us too, um, uh, I don't. You know, one doesn't have to ask God to s send us a sickness. You know, or um, to give us another pandemic. Um, Please, Lord. Right, yeah. <laughs> but but when but when when things come into into your life and into our lives um, personally, and as we uh, you know when we experience things on a on a bigger communal level, we can um, we can uh, our, our our participation in them, our our suffering in that is something we can positively offer to the Lord. You know, my favorite 
book in the Bible is Romans, the centerpiece is chapter 8, everybody's favorite verse, for God works all things together for good for those who mm-hmm. love and are called into it called according to his purpose. But when you look closely, what Paul is describing is the fact that, you know, Christ is in us. We are conformed to the image of the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. But, you know, when he asks the question, what shall separate us from Christ? You know, he he goes on to tick off this list of seven items, including tribulation and famine and nakedness and peril and sword. And his point is these things don't separate us from Christ. These are the things that are unique in that they conform us to Christ. Mm-hmm. Amen. And you're like, okay, so much for that being my favorite verse, you know. But all things for good are the hard things, the sufferings, mm-hmm. you know, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. And there's much more to talk about, so please stay with us as Franciscan University Presents continues. John Paul II in his document, Salvifici Dolores, asks the question, I think, very well, or he points out the fact that there is some suffering that doesn't seem to have any resolution to it. Um, And we all, as Christians, experience suffering that doesn't seem to have any resolution or any good outcome. And what John Paul says to that situation, he says it's a call to communion and solidarity. And so for the rest of us who are the church and are the body of Christ, it's a call to draw near to somebody who is in suffering. And in that way, it draws us all out of our self-centeredness. It helps someone feel like they're not alone, and it ennobles us in some way by drawing close to that person who is in trouble. So there is some type of grace, even in suffering that seems completely unresolvable. It's a call to communion and solidarity for the body of Christ to gather together in compassion around one who is suffering. At Franciscan University of Steubenville, you'll find faith and reason, wisdom and grace, mercy and truth. You'll study under world-class scholars and seasoned practitioners who are committed to Christ and His church. With over 40 majors and pre-professional programs, you'll find the formation you need to succeed. At Franciscan University, you'll find more than just a college. You'll find yourself and an educational experience as singular as you are. Welcome back to Franciscan University Presents. We're talking about persevering in faith in the midst of trials. Father, you were saying earlier that, and it's something I think is really important for us to bear in mind, that difficulties and struggles is a part of the human condition, and as humans, and and sometimes I think we think it's bad to be human. That's actually wonderful and it's good because that's all we are, right? But this seems to be in contrast, as I stated, to the culture, but then also this idea of prosperity gospel that mm-hmm. the Lord blesses us by giving us all kinds of wonderful things, which he does, but that's not the whole story. That's right. And in fact, and it's true, God, um, God is wonderful beyond words, and, uh, but the wonderful thing that he gives us is divine life, is his, is his love, and is a share in his own life. Um, it is his son, right? our, our union with his son. That's that, that we, I mean, the prosperity that God promises is the prosperity that comes from um, not being uh, separated from Him, mm-hmm. not being um, defined and enslaved no. by sin. Um, so that's, that's the greatest kind of prosperity. That's a prosperity that even when things ca- can f- fall apart in one's life. Right. I mean, yeah. it, at the end of the day, every, everybody will experience some, uh, the, the, the impoverishment and the dissolution of, of, 
of life that is death, right? I mean, that's that's a kind of um, that's the definitive um, uh, end to to yeah. whatever kind of prosperity yeah, you yeah. you enjoy. Even rich people, yeah. Whether yeah. whether you, uh, and so, um, but but what the Lord promises is a life that that endures beyond that, and right. in fact, that will. Um, uh, yeah. That will even lead to a resurrection. Yeah, the, the materialist uh, temptation is to think in terms of money. That's what success means. Yes. Get money, power, prestige. I mean, Martin Buber would oftentimes say that success is not a biblical category. Hmm. Fidelity is. Mm -hmm. And fidelity comes at a cost. I mean, the price could be your head, but you've got mm -hmm. to prepare, you know, you have to be prepared to lose it. That's right. For his life. And it's in, in the gospel, it's, it's so many times in the gospel where our Lord, it's, it's, it is enough that the disciple be like the master. You know, that's, yeah. And that's, that's a, it's a line we, I mean, in, in the passage where that occurs, it's, it's you know, it's often not, not what we settle on right. or focus right. on. Yeah. Um, and to think that, is that enough? Do I believe that that's enough? That yeah. I, as a disciple, am just become like the master and what what is the master's life right, yeah. look like yeah. um, and the, and the, the, the you know when there's the sort of shocking moment when the, people express a positive a few, willingness to follow the lord lord i, I will follow yeah. you um, and and he seems almost cold toward that the son yeah. of man has no place to, to rest his head um, let the dead bury their dead he knows yeah. that they need to realize what following him means yeah. right and yeah. it's not just it's not just, um, it, it's not simply joining uh, a movement. Right. It's, it's sharing his destiny. Yeah. No, I was reminded of this earlier today when I was reading the Magnificat. Oh. I'm so grateful for your work as editor. Uh, I think it was the pastor of the of St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York you were quoting who describes. Father, yeah, he's he's Father Donald Haggerty. Haggerty yeah, yeah, very very powerful yeah. books on prayer. Yeah. yeah, and he describes. You know, okay, I want to follow you, Lord. I, I want you to be my Lord, but in prayer, it's just like dead quiet, you know, mm -hmm. and, and dead air is bad for the media, you know, <laughs> That's right. it's also bad for the spiritual life, but it isn't dead. You know, what he, what he showed me is that so often in the stillness or even in the distance, there is a dependence that grows. There is an awareness of weakness, but there's also an intimacy, but you don't feel it. You're going through darkness. There's going, there's going to be silence. You know, and I would say, Jesus, I don't think your prayer life was ever like that with the right. Father, you know. And so you're going to have to speed up the process, but he never seems to do that. Mm. Yeah. And, and, that, and, and, you know, you were, you were earlier, you were um, recalling one of your favorite uh, passages, the Emmaus Encounter, which, uh, again, is, a, is a, uh, as we know, is a, just a very powerful moment, you know, that the disciples are experiencing this um, it's, it's, it's instructing the Lord on what has happened um, and what they've been witnessed and experiencing. But later in that scene, if you're, if you're Jesus, it's, it, he, he makes, the, the scripture tells us that it, he, he acts as if he's going to go on further. He makes it seem right. like he's going to depart from them so that they have to urge him to stay. Right. Yeah. And um, I, I think about that often. It's that very often when, we, when it feels like the Lord is um, withdrawing from us. You know, we're not we're not um, experiencing um, the responsivity we think. It, it's actually He's provoking for uh, from us 
um, the sense of urgency and right. you know to, 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 to urge the Lord to stay with us right to be to actually to beg the Lord to be with you and to hear you and to console you that is a gift from him yeah. right we think yeah. that's supposed to lead to the other gift from him that itself is the grace yeah but if you don't feel it that doesn't mean you're having a crisis of faith that's right, right? that's okay. right uh, I, I was struck uh, when I first read this passage from Therese the little flower she said Almost all the time when I go to communion, I receive no consolation mm -hmm. whatsoever. But then what brings me up short is the realization that I go because it pleases Him. Mm. I go to satisfy Him, not my own satisfaction. That's beautiful. And her dark night went on for a very long time. That's right. And, and it's, it's good that she's a good example because we popularly we think of her as this, yeah. you know, um, just... Uh, constant exuberance, you know, yeah, yeah. And, and just picking one rose and, after yeah, another just, that's right. in and the garden, such, such joy, yeah. um, and and yet, uh, right, her her physical suffering, right, right. from from tuberculosis, and um, and as you say, right, the, the, even the, the she and she describes this. It feels that the Lord is asleep in my boat, yeah. you know, yeah. right, um, and yeah. she and she actually says, I, and I have a feeling. He's going to continue sleeping until yeah. the end of my life. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. And, but the saints would speak of this this experience that they had, but they had the grace to persevere, and that seems to be a common theme that we're talking about. This That's sense right. of persevering through the dark night. Sometimes mm -hmm. I chuckle with the students who are experiencing the dark night. That's been a day or two that's just been <laughs> yeah. hard, or they're they're yeah. not praying. But that what is that grace that that allows us to persevere, and and how does how does one yeah, how does one grasp that or attain that? Or yeah, so I think that's that's a good point. And spiritual authors, when writing about the dark night, will will are take care to distinguish it from um, struggles that are, you know, our fault, right, 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 <laughs> from sin? our, our own yeah. sin um, or lack of fidelity or you know, um, just you know, lack of devotion, you know, not um, praying or going receiving the sacraments mm -hmm. regularly, mm -hmm. right. Uh, but yeah, the, the dark the dark night comes. Um, spiritual writers say that um, you know af after a period of um, our own mortification, right? It's it's a it's a um, it's a kind of it's a higher and more advanced purification of the soul um, that the Lord allows us to experience to purify our faith, hope, and charity, to purify the highest virtues. Yes, there's, there's, there's um, night of the senses as well, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, where our emotions and our passions are, are purified. Um, but the, the great saints um, experience this, uh, even temptations, um, contrary to faith, hope, and, and charity. Um, and, yet, and yet, they're just, they're just that. They continue to make acts of faith hope and charity, right? They, right. they persevere um, even though they're, uh, you know, they, they have these moments of realization. What if there's nothing? What if, you know, St. Teresa had this right, too, sure. like right. heaven seems to be nothing, you know, and Mother yeah. Teresa yeah. Very, yeah. for years, decades. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, Joseph Ratzinger in that trailblazing book of his, mm -hmm. Introduction to Christianity has a very moving account of those last months mm. of Therese's life in which she is tempted to take only the void mm. for granted. She's just hanging by a fingernail. Mm -hmm. But in the end, that's enough that's to right. launch her into the kingdom. And that and that fingernail is 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 something from God, right? I mean that's yeah. the thing, is it's it's really it's a divine 
um, right? Faith, theological faith, is a is a is a gift from God. Right. Um, and so, kind of beyond any any human any of her own strength and human capacity. And I think that's key: is that it's not just the responsibility isn't just just on me to hold on. That's it's, right. It's understanding that the Lord is holding on to me. That's right. And yeah. allowing that to happen and making myself available and making myself to be present to be able to experience that. That's right. And so, right, our faith isn't right. That, that that's a that's a that's a, a very very important point, right? When our our faith is in God's sustaining of us, right? It's not simply, I, I, I need to, um, you know, get, have the spiritual muscle yeah. uh, just to hang harder. on to I him, just try and, harder. and he's basically trying to shake me off, um, right? I mean, really, what, what a, a, a deep and um, uh, firm act of faith is, is in what God has revealed, right? And, and in his goodness, right? Uh, and I, so I think about that a lot, right? Do, um, you know, that there's a very beautiful book. I mean, probably you, you know, uh, I Believe in Love by, mm-hmm. by Father Jean Delbay oh, right, yes. about, about St. Yeah. Therese's spirituality. Very powerful book, very beautiful book. And, and I often ask myself that, do I, do I believe in love? Do I really believe right. in, in that God is as loving and good and tender and kind and constant right. as as he says he is and as I, as I right. say he is? Yeah. And, mm-hmm. um, and that's... That, and that, that's what I encourage people. Right. Believe in the Lord's love for you. Yeah, that reminds me of the comment that you made, Scott, earlier about your favorite book, uh, Paul's letter to the Romans. I mean, I've always thought of you as a Romans guy, yes. steeped in the Pauline literature. But there's a, a, another book, a beautiful book by Adrian von Speyer, which is a meditation on chapter 8 of Romans. And the <laughs> subtitle, I think, uh, says it all, The Victory of Divine Love. The last word is love, and yeah. it's the conquest of the world. I, I think part of the part of the problem is that we assume that we know what love is, mm-hmm. and our our conception of love, our experience of love, it might not be counterfeit, you know, but it's pocket change. Mm-hmm. It, it, yeah. It's we so much yeah, cheaper yeah. than what yeah. God wants for us and what who God is. You know, love is something that doesn't strike me as being connected to logic. Love is not something that is connected to law. You can't legislate love unless you can. You know, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and the second is like unto it, to love your neighbor as yourself for the love of God. On these hang all of the other commandments. Well, there are 611 other commandments in the Torah, according to the rabbis. And it's like, okay, so the first two are legislating love. And mm-hmm. Only when we recognize that logic is more than deductive or inductive, that there is a theologic that originates in the inner life of God, which is off limits for finite beings and even finite minds at their best. Yet if that's the only thing for which we were made, then we are going to have to have our old wineskins. All of our conceptions of love are going to have to be burst again and again. Mm-hmm. so that he can expand this and until he can fill our finitude with his own mm. infinite life. And this, it, 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 in my own ears, it's sounding like religious rhetoric, but in my own experience, yeah, yeah. it's like every cross, and they seem to get bigger and more numerous as you get older and weaker. If you can take St. Augustine at his word, he needs grace more now than when he was first converted. Yeah. And it's like, my goodness, if you were a sadist, Lord, I'm not sure things would look all that different. Your love is so demanding. You are a lover like no other. There is no sadism in that mystery. But uh, it just simply overwhelms me at times. Mm -hmm. 
Well, the, the, the saving grace is that at the end of the day, we're not saved by the example of Christ that we have to imitate because nobody can do that. Mm -hmm. We're saved by his person. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. I mean, not Christology. <laughs> That's Christ. I mean, Augustine <laughs> nailed it in that last great controversy he had with the Pelagians. They really thought, just buck up uh, and right. make the right choices. You can do this. A kind of Promethean self-help uh, enterprise. Mm -hmm. No, and you and can't I do anything I, without grace. And I think that's really huge, and maybe we'll pick up that, that I think so many people fall into that trap. They're so successful in other areas of their life, but they find the struggle in the spiritual life, and they find the struggle in being patient with their children. It's like, mm -hmm. if I just keep on trying, well, then it begins this cycle right. that you end up despairing. Why, mm -hmm. why even try? Because I can't mm -hmm. do it, and we have to come to this understanding yeah. of grace. And stay with us, because there's more with Franciscan University Presents. So in my work here as a counselor at Franciscan University, I work with students who have all kinds of, of difficulties. And I remember having a conversation with someone the other day who said that if he, can't do some, if he can't do something perfectly, he doesn't do it. And that means to me as a counselor that there's some type of great fear or anxiety there. And sometimes when we are trying to grow in our relationship with Christ, when we're trying to become the people that we're supposed to be, there's great suffering involved in going to those places that are difficult for us to go to. And as the psychologist Jordan Peterson puts it, we have to go to the place of our inferiority. And yet when we're willing and courage to go to that place of our inferiority, that is the place of our greatest growth, and that is truly redemptive suffering. What if you discovered a university with unmatched science, faculty, and programs? a place where you didn't have to choose science over faith. At Franciscan University of Steubenville, you'll find faith-inspired, student-focused, research-driven programs leading to satisfying careers in medicine, scientific research, engineering, computer science, and many more science and health fields. At Franciscan University of Steubenville, education is more than just a word, it's a discovery. Back and thanks for joining us. You're watching Franciscan University Presents, which we record in the ComArt studio here at Franciscan University in Steubenville, Ohio. Our students are operating all of the cameras and the equipment. Members of our theology faculty, Dr. Regis Martin and Dr. Scott Hahn, and I are discussing persevering in faith during trials with Father Sebastian White. Again, a pleasure to have you with us, Father. Uh, it seems to me one of the things that, that's become evident in our conversation is uh, difficulties, struggles, trials, suffering, that's all a part of our human condition, and we're all going to have to deal with that. How, how do we do that? How do we embrace that? How do we recognize that? And, and actually, you used, in the first section, you talked about it sanctifying us. How does actually you do that, rather than just wish it didn't, wasn't happening? I, uh, so I was reading recently um, something particular about, about the passion and this question. Um, so we often think about passion reveals Christ's love, right? His redemptive love for us. But how is the Father's love for the Son evident in the passion in such in a, in a horrible moment? And and it is and it is this essentially that the Father wills for the Son the glory of being the redeemer, right? That when you, you when in love you want the greatest um, thing for someone, right? You 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 want someone to um, to experience uh, and be glorified. And so the Son on the cross, suffering, fulfilling the Father's will, uh, 
is, is, um, is having the glory of being the Redeemer. And similarly, right, and I think when the Lord allows trials and sufferings to come into my life, when the cross enters my life, I can embrace that and see that as something that the Lord is using to, that I can embrace redemptively, right? Yeah. That this is something that I can offer to the Lord um, and receive from Him and, and offer that for my own growth and grace and salvation and redemption, to share in the redemption won by Christ and also for others, yeah. right? There are, think about your family, um, others, other members of the church. I think we, we, we benefit from the suffering still of the, of the martyrs. Yeah. Well, I say that going through the pandemic, and, and I think we ought to qualify that, it was, it was difficult, it was struggle. Mm-hmm. Some people suffered much more greatly. Yes. But there was so many times that I'd say, my preference would not to have to do this, but I mm-hmm. offered this up for the students, or I offered it up for my family, and just mm-hmm. these little things, yeah, there are all kinds of them. The, the pandemic provided details and opportunity time and time. So those little, but you're, it's a conscious decision to say, I give this to you, I give this to you. That's right. And it doesn't, that, that will not make it not be a cross. No, you know, no, That no. will not make it not hurt. Yeah. Um, Gives it some kind of meaning, that's though, doesn't right. it? Yes, okay. it does. And it's our capacity to love that doesn't diminish our ability to suffer. It enlarges it. It mm. intensifies it. And so there's a feedback loop that the more we love, the more capable we are of suffering, but mm-hmm. the more we suffer, the more our love grows, you know. And mm-hmm. by tracing it back to the cross, you know, I, I, I think of the farewell discourse in John's Gospel where, you know, show us the Father, you know, have I been with you so long? Mm. You know, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, except for those three hours when I'm going to be on the cross, then there will be no imaging of the Father. No, there's a sense in which he's not losing his life on the cross, but yeah. he's making it a gift. So never has he profoundly imaged the Father as much as when his love becomes life-giving mm. unto the end. You know, mm. at that moment, I think the sacred humanity of Jesus is more lovable, more beloved of the Father than ever. Uh, but at the same time, it, it, it becomes for us a touchstone, much more than that. It, it becomes the, the means by which pain is turned into passion, suffering becomes sacrifice, you know, what is happening to the witnesses is an execution, not a sacrifice. Only when you look at Good Friday in the light of Holy Thursday, instituting the Eucharist, it's more than rhetoric, this is my body, this is my blood. Mm -hmm. You know, it really is setting in motion something of a a reality that transcends the appearance and the, you know, the experience of the bystanders there. And meditating upon the cross and, you know, seeing that this is actually where the love of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit originates, and why we have crosses every day. Mm-hmm. You know, I, we would we'd so prefer God to be a certified financial planner. Mm. You know, when you get married, when you have kids, you often rediscover religion because <laughs> it will just set things back into gear. You know, and there is a place in which God shows you if you sacrifice at work in the home, you'll profit. But ultimately, He turns out to be a disaster when it mm. comes to certified financial planning, the health and wealth gospel, mm. all of these counterfeits. Or it really, it just requires, I think, I mean, if you, want, if you want to try to preserve the metaphor, it's just you have to radically re, re, 
define what you think of as profit. That's right. And, and that requires something, riches that's something that you only see in, and attain in faith. Yeah, right? That's right. It's not going to be Absolutely. something you know, like I, I think for, your investment for a lot of us, uh, Christianity can so easily be reduced to a kind of theory, a mm -hmm. nice abstraction. Okay, God is love. God loves us. But it's the other part that we mm. have to love one another. Mm -hmm. You know, bear the beams of love, mm. as the poet Blake puts mm. it. Love one another or die. Mm. But for us, what makes it possible is that it's a participation in God whose name is love. We share in his exercise of love. It's not something outside of or independent of. I'm joined to him, which makes it possible, which sometimes makes it joyful, effortless even. And I think what you say is so important is that uh, in my own life, I've had suffering that was thrust upon me, death and that, but it's often with people that have hurt me and, and I experience suffering and difficulty and the Lord has called me to love that person. Yeah. And, and it's one of the things that breaks my heart, honestly, in the church is that um, we become part of the suffering of one another rather yeah. than that joy of being able to love and lay down my life for one another yeah. that the Lord invites us to. I mean, the injunction, bear one another's burdens, I think is to be construed literally. If you've got a load that's too heavy for you and I offer to carry it, then mm -hmm. the weight is diminished by the extent to which I'm now shouldering yeah, that right. burden. Yeah, right. I mean, that's love of neighbor. Mm. Yeah. And you, so when you mentioned earlier the, the, the command, you know, the, 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 um, the the two greatest commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and your neighbor as yourself. How can this be commanded? It's a great question I think about. I mean, it's, it's comical to think about um, a, a civil leader, you know, commanding and acting a new law that, that we love him. Um, right. right? Yeah. Usually law is limited to yeah. uh, external behaviors, you know, um, pay your taxes and drive the yeah. speed limit and what have you. Um, so, but the Lord commands something, an interior act. It doesn't just say act loving. It says yeah. love with your whole heart and soul. Right. Love your neighbor as yourself. And it strikes me, I think, I need, we need to have that commanded to us yeah. to know that it is possible. Yeah. Right, right. right. Otherwise, so the, the wow. example yeah. I came up with, is otherwise I wouldn't think it's possible for me to love God as he deserves right, as right, he yeah. and with my whole being how, yeah. that and, seems so daunting yeah, and I find it more difficult oftentimes to love my neighbor yes you know, yeah that that's way, right you know in some ways but scripture says something about you know don't tell me you love God and hate your that's neighbor right. right so there that's that becomes so he's revealing to us that it's possible and a, an example I had with you know when, you, when you're a child um, and your your father or, you know is, is teach you know and that you hear command go ahead walk you know, take a step, yeah, walk. Right, I'm like, yeah. but I don't, I don't know if I can. You know, jump, jump. I will catch you, right? Yeah. And so you're, you're, you're literally hearing an imperative statement about something that if you didn't hear that command, right, yeah. you would, you would just continue crawling mm -hmm. or yeah. sitting. You know, um, and so that 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 strikes me as uh, as um, a great gift in hearing that command when the Lord tells us, love your neighbor. He's saying that in order to make it possible for us. Yeah. Yeah, I think if, if if the exercise of love were left to our own devices, <laughs> right. yeah. how good. often would you be loving? Right, that's really? right. Unless yeah. it's it's self-serving. That's right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. C.S. Lewis has that wonderful line: "Love anything, even a dog, and it will break your heart." Mm. And and he loves us, and he, it certainly broke his. Yes. You know, near the beginning of the pandemic, I had a phone conversation with my one and only daughter, Hannah, and she was sharing with me how hard it was for them not to be able to go to church, not mm. to not attend mass, you know, 
Lent extending into Holy Week and beyond all the way to Pentecost. And then she said something I'll never forget. I cherish this memory. Mm. She said, Dad, I didn't realize until now how much I took the holy sacrifice the Master mm -hmm. granted. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, go on. You know, because yeah. all I could think of is how many times I saw her roll her eyes when we told her we're going to daily mass. You know, yeah. oh, yeah. do I have to? You get to. Oh, I don't want to hear that again. You know, and then she said, "I find myself hungering for holy communion, mm -hmm. like I never could imagine before." Yeah, it's interesting. I just found myself with Mary Magdalene reflecting on that. That that the pandemic, in some ways, she longed to be with Jesus, but she couldn't, mm -hmm. right? So that, that, that longing is in itself a grace, mm -hmm. that longing is itself, and then finally she encounters him at, at the tomb. But the, I think that was a lot of pe people's experience during this pandemic mm -hmm. was, but I think, again, God uses all things, as you said earlier, Scott, that, that w the other invitation for us is to allow Christ to find us where we are. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes our faith is going to, and we need to remind ourselves, fundamental mm -hmm. reality that God comes to us. So all the point you were saying about the dark night and this encounter, isn't that presupposing that somebody's encountered Jesus? That, that yes. there, there has been this, in one time, this closeness that, that one loses or feels is gone. How does one get that initial sense of the Lord's presence or, or this initial encounter? Uh, I mean, the... I think the most, the, I would say the most important thing is to realize what God has given to you in baptism. I think about this a lot, that the, the grace of baptism is something that marks your soul, remains with you throughout your life, and even, even when we are not thinking about God, right, that's, that's his, he's got a hand on us and on our soul. Um, so I think about the, just to realize what the effect of your baptism mm -hmm. was and is, and when you receive the Lord in the sacraments, when you pray, um, and to ask for that grace, to ask the Lord um, to touch you, to, to be present mm -hmm. to you, right? And to, to begin, um, to, be, to, to bring to, um, further the, the process that he, has, that he has begun in us. Um, every, ultimately, everything God ex expects of us, right, he supplies. I think, I think that's, that's the key. Um, God doesn't demand or um, ask from us anything that He will not give us. Um, and so the, the more that you, whatever you think you need, um, uh, the courage, the virtue, whatever virtues right. you need, ask God to give them to you. Yeah. yeah, whatever He commands, He enables. That's right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this idea that he's going to ask us to do. I think one of the things particularly is, is a, a male that if I'm asked to do something that I don't know how to do it, mm. or, or I'm not given the, the whatever I need to do that, I find it very frustrating and I, I find myself often getting angry. But the Lord isn't going to ask anything of you, anything of anyone, and not provide us the grace to do That's that. That's right. Yeah. I, I guess the, the, the virtue of, of perseverance is only authentic if you exercise it more than once. Almost monotonously, you keep battering uh, his door. Open up, cries like dead letters hmm. sent to dearest him who lives, alas, away, hmm. is how Father Hopkins puts it hmm. in, in one of those terrible sonnets. Yes, They're it, cries of desolation. He's not listening to me, but in fact, he is. He's there. I mean, the fact that he died on his deathbed, he said, I'm so happy. Because mm. shortly he would be, uh, he would be in the presence of of God. Yeah, the dying words of of, of holy men and women are are, are, are really interesting. <laughs> really yeah. inspiring. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Please, Lord, I'm yeah. so worried something stupid's yeah. going to come out. <laughs> but but it seems to me, isn't this 
the whole perseverance. We, we talk a lot about other virtues, but it's really key, isn't it? The, the gift and the grace of perseverance yes, in the spiritual life. That's right. And 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 again, we can we can ask we can ask for that. You know, um, perseverance. Well, persevere in asking, yeah, right? Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. But, but really, I think, what it is. It's persevering right. in relying on God, yeah, yeah. Um, not persevering in impressing Him. It's yeah. persevering in relying upon Him. Yeah. Well, that's what little children do. I mean, they keep plucking uh, uh, the, the sleeve of <laughs> mm -hmm. their, their papa. Give me this, give me that. And I think Jesus welcomes that. that I think that endears uh, these children to God because they know uh, he's, a good, he's a good guy. He'll give me what I need. <laughs> If I yeah. just pester him. And I love the image in Romans between the slave and the master and the father and the child. That yeah. the slave's not going to keep on going to his master, just isn't going to do it. But apparently, I don't have, apparently kids don't have a hard time coming up to their dad saying, oh, yeah, You can't say no. Please, please, please. Yeah. please. That's why I'd be a horrible right. father because they could never say no. <laughs> uh, up next, our panel and our guests are going to share some final thoughts in persevering in faith during your trials. Please stay with us. first chapter of the book of Colossians, we hear a very difficult passage of Scripture where it calls us to make up what is lacking in the suffering of Christ. And it's a difficult passage to understand. And yet we know that Christ's suffering and death brought grace to the world that we can't even begin to comprehend. And, and for those of us who are Christians, it's a matter of stepping out in faith and understanding that even though we can't see the fruit of our suffering, that somehow Christ can use that to bring grace to somebody in the body of Christ, maybe in a distant land or who we don't know. And it's a call to trust in the work of grace, even if our circumstances tell us differently. There is a place where education begins and faith and reason connect. Franciscan University of Steubenville's online programs will advance your career through an e-learning experience that's both academically excellent and passionately Catholic. With online degrees taught by full-time professors in theology, catechetics, business, education, and other disciplines, you can earn your master's degree online without changing your lifestyle. Find out more today at franciscan.edu, where your faith and career can connect online. back to Franciscan University Presents. We've come to our final segment. Regis, your final thoughts? Yeah, uh, I'll keep it short. Uh, brief is best. Uh, besides, I want to hear what uh, the others have to say. But uh, thanks very much uh, for, for being here and uh, running uh, Magnificat Enjoy. as its editor, because that is an invaluable uh, resource for the life of prayer, an instrument of sanctification. I, I can't imagine it was helpful uh, to life me. without yeah. Magnificat. Yeah. I, I think of what Pope Benedict said regarding purgatory. If it didn't exist, it would have to be invented. <laughs> uh, I think that publication would have to be invented if it hadn't already uh, existed. It, it's huh. a source of great consolation, insight, and the beauty of it uh, is yeah. really stunning. So yes. keep keep going. Thank uh, you. Uh, just don't charge quite so much. <laughs> okay. Maybe we can cut a deal uh, after uh, the taping. I'll, I'll let you know what I'm able to pay. Yes. Let, let me just uh, one, one final uh, quote because it, it popped into my head. Uh, St. Robert Bellarmine, who's one of my favorite saints, uh, he was sort of uh, reprimanded by people because he was always taking on more penances uh, than they thought he needed to. And they would say, you know, lighten up, relax a little bit. And he would always say, the candle that gives light 
must itself be consumed. Mm -hmm. And that's beautiful. Yeah. And he was certainly consumed. Mm. Uh, and the result is a saint in heaven. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, thank you. Well, we'll help you out with the subscription right. if you need something, <laughs> Scott. I echo what he says about Magnificat. We have two subscriptions, one for okay. Kimberly and one for me, yeah. because we Thanks. don't want to fight over the one. <laughs> you know? it, it's such an amazing, amazing uh, instrument of grace. Uh, I come back to Romans chapter 8 and reading it as I was thinking about becoming Catholic and reali realizing that I was repressing. I mean, there was one verse that I must have read a hundred times, but I never noticed before, and that is Romans 8, 17, where after talking about the spirit of sonship, no longer a spirit of slavery, Abba, Father, he's not a, a master-slave thing. You know, we are co-heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may be glorified with him. Mm -hmm. Wait a minute, you know, provided we suffer? Suffering is what kind of closes the door. It, 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 it ruins the deal. And then Paul anticipated my objections. You know, he first says it's not worth comparing to the glory that awaits us. Mm. And then he basically shows that all of creation has been subjected to... So it's not only incomparably greater, the glory, than the suffering. It's also inescapable. You can run, but you can't hide. No matter where you go, all of creation has been subjected to futility. But most of all, it's indispensable. It doesn't separate us from Christ, it conforms us to Christ. And this idea of redemptive suffering, well, we know it's for Christ. He, he redeems us by suffering. But we always thought of it before as a substitute. But now to see it in terms of participation mm -hmm. is uh, it's so strange for people who become Catholic or who rediscover their faith. It's so beautiful, it's so consoling, and at the same time, it's so challenging, it's so difficult, you know, but at the same time, it is it is the stuff of life and the stuff of divine, eternal life. Mm -hmm. That's right. The, the Lord did not simply give us a book, you know? I mean, he, that, that, that's how He speaks to us, but He didn't just give us a, um, an, a Pope Benedict's uh, quotation from Deus Caritas Es, is of course often, often quoted, Christianity is not just an ethical system, not just sure. an ideal, but an encounter with a person. That, that's Amen. the key. Amen. So a final thought. Um, the, I, if there's one thing, it is to just to always realize and to have firm belief that um, suffering, trials, crosses, you know, um, of whatever kind, even our own moral weaknesses that the Lord allows us to still struggle with, they're not con these are not counter signs of the Lord's love. It's not a counter indication of the Lord's presence and closeness to us, but the very thing that He allows in order to make us go closer to Him and to be united to Him. Um, and when that sinks in, when that sinks in, it, 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 it changes everything. Right. I think um, I am called as a Christian to be another Jesus. You know, that's what it means to be a Christian, to be another Jesus. And Jesus is a, is a crucified Savior. He suffered and died. And so, um, as someone has put it, right, it is, we are called to be Jesus crucified, mm -hmm. right? Ultimately, so that we can also be Jesus glorified. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, thank you so much. Uh, again, blessing to have you here with us. Uh, if you'd like to have, uh, hear more from Father Sebastian, we have an article that he wrote, a handout that's free for you, an editorial that he did for Magnificat. Uh, it's yours free simply by going to faithandreason.com or calling the number you see on the screen below. I was thinking of uh, a quote of, of our Holy Father, uh, St. John Paul, and he was talking about when you, know, when you recognize and see somebody who's experienced suffering, 
You said there's there's a strength about them. There's an authenticity about yeah. them. There's a character about them that you can see that because because they've lived this life. And I was reflecting on one of our graduates from Franciscan University. She was a nurse, and her teacher pulled her aside one day and said, I've been watching you, and I've been watching the way you care for the patients and the way you, she was just bathing them. And she said, you do it differently than mm. the other nurses and mm. in the way you treat this, the patient and speak of the patient. And she was basically, you know, how do you do this? What is it that you, that that's your secret? And she said, um, I've suffered much and I've been loved much. Mm. And this was really what, what caused her to treat people the way that Jesus taught us, is, is in the midst of her suffering, in the midst of her pain, in the midst of her difficulty, she was loved, and that changed, and that, that transformed her. Mm. And I think ultimately, it's the invitation that each one of us has, is, is Jesus obviously embraces the cross and gives life to the entire world. The invitation for us is to be able to embrace the crosses that are given to us. And it may not give life to the whole world, but it gives life to people around us. Yeah. That, that when you watch somebody that suffers well and perseveres well and, and wrestles with their cross and is honest with it, mm -hmm. not, not just kind of watch it, but is honest with it, uh, that person brings life to those who are around them. Yeah. I'm convinced that at the heart of this is it's, I just, we just recently had a baptism and it's easy. It's wonderful, right? You see a baptism and the joy that is in that. It's easy to see the Lord in the midst of the baptism. Mm -hmm. um, but in the midst of dementia, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of pain, in the midst of the cross, if we can find him there, we can find him anywhere. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the invitation. You, you, you alluded time and time and time again that this is constitutive to our faith in the invitation to find Jesus there. So how about you pray for us? Thank you. And close sure. us with prayer yep. and allow us to In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Almighty God, send down your Holy Spirit upon us again. Deepen uh, our union with the Holy Spirit that we may be more closely conformed to your Son, Jesus, and that in carrying our cross, we may come to share fully in his glory and his eternal joy in heaven with all the saints. And may Almighty God bless you and all of you who are watching in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And again, thank you so much, Father. Pleasure to have you with us. And thank you for Perfect. joining us. God bless you. Download a free handout on today's topic at faithandreason.com, where you can also watch past episodes of Franciscan University Presents. Or request the handout by emailing us at presents at franciscan.edu or reach us by phone for today's handout by calling 800-783-6447. That's 800-783-6447.